What is up, everyone? Welcome into the Fight HQ preview for UFC Vegas number 67. Of course, as always, I am joined by the fighter Pete Rogers Jr. We appreciate you checking us out here over at Fight HQ. I'm sure you know by now, this is our new home. This is where you're going to be able to check us out as we are no longer uh, with Stochastic. We loved our two-plus years over there at Stochastic. Uh, Those guys did a lot of great stuff for the entire team over there from from Alex, Nolan, Chris, Tom, Lawfully, Eric, all the guys over there. Uh, And and look, we have a good relationship with those guys. If you go in the YouTube uh, comments here in the uh, description, you'll see the fact that we do have a a little bit of a a partner program with them. So when you uh, take advantage of that, that's how you help me and me pete out but uh we appreciate everyone over there stochastic uh they've got great content over there check those guys out for all the dfs coverage they have over here but uh we're appreciated for everything they did for us and uh pete happy friday bro happy friday yes it was a it was a fantastic chapter of our lives for sure um personally i'm still bummed you know obviously i wanted to continue to to grow with the company I, i really loved our stay with them and uh you know i i was hoping that it was going to be a longer run, but you know, this is how life works, man. And, you know, uh, super thankful for the opportunity to even be a part of a platform like that in a great company with good guys. Um, you even talk about from like the producer aspect, like Tyler did a lot for us, super appreciative for Tyler. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's nice because when the world kind of shut down, MMA was in the spotlight and we happened to be a part of the biggest platform there is for for daily fantasy and uh it it was nice to kind of provide some good mma coverage we're going to continue to do the same thing here um but like jason stated you know check out the description below we are working together in hopes of uh growing together so uh that is the plan of course but jason and i are going to be here on fight hq providing content for all sorts of mma action um from mma betting to daily fantasy to different websites that Jason likes to dabble in from a daily fantasy and uh, prop betting type of perspective. So uh, this is a card to kick off 2023. And, um, you know, it's a, it's already been, been hit from the main card uh, from the main event standpoint. And we already lost one fight as well. So uh, 2023 is off to a banger, banger of a start for, for the UFC. But uh, this has become basically the norm ever since the world shut down and we've been dealing with it throughout the COVID era, cancellations, illnesses, weight cuts, all that. So uh, happy to kick it off with you here, Jason, on Fight HQ and uh, ready to get into it. Of course, you mentioned about uh, things that we're doing over here at Fight HQ. Uh, my guy Pete set up the Discord channel. Got to give uh, Pete all the credit in the world for that. So, uh, if you want to join our Discord channel, uh, you look right there in the description below. You can join our Discord channel, join the community that we're creating over here at Fight HQ. Of course, if you got any questions, line those up in the chat. Uh, you know, Pete, we're first card of, of 2023, and uh, we're, we're right back into the mix of losing fights on on weigh-in day. Yeah. I mean, goodness gracious. I thought it was a joke. That's why I sent it to you. Like, I legitimately thought it was a joke because I'm like, I mean, how many times has Sajara Eubanks missed weight? Like, uh, how many times has she missed weight? And uh, I thought it was just like a troll account. I, I read the article quick and I sent it to you and you're like, yep. I'm like, how many chances? I, I, at this point, I actually think the UFC might cut ties with Sajara Eubanks and personally. Um, and it's kind of sad because... Eubanks is a fighter that I, I held in quite high regard in, in hopes of her 
possibly challenging for a title. She has all the skills. Jiu-jitsu's na- her jiu-jitsu is nasty. Her boxing is is solid. Um, it's her cardio that abandons her throughout each fight. Um, and I actually think that she can't get out of her own damn way. So uh, she, I think she's kind of been her own worst enemy as far as her career goes. Yeah, you mentioned about those prop websites that I like to go to. You know, one of the things that we've made to we've let everyone in our community know is that, you know, if there's some sites out there you want us to take a deep dive into, like you know, one of our uh, members in Discord. By the way, it is free to join our Discord. We're we're not charging you. We're not we're not doing any of that. Totally free to uh to join. And uh, they mentioned about underdog fancy. So uh here in my spreadsheet, I do have some underdog uh, fancy props, and I will tell you that I was looking at the Sajar Eubanks props underdog yeah. takedowns that was that one with her, which I thought was way off. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, like this was a fight and, you know, looking over at prize picks, she was at uh, one and a half. I, I love the more over there. I, I was going to be all over that one because you just, you looked at that match and he said, well, that's she banks way to win this fight is to make it, you know, u- utilizing that grappling. But of course, if you got any questions on the fights, be sure to line those up in chat. If you are listening to this after the fact, uh, we do appreciate that, whether it's here on YouTube or maybe it's over on one of the podcasting platforms, Apple podcast, Spotify. I know someone had hit me up and saying hey are you going to be putting the show over there i said yep well the show will be over there uh as well but of course we appreciate everyone tuning in uh if you haven't subscribed to the channel really would appreciate that we're trying to grow this youtube channel of course uh, be sure to hit that thumbs up that really does help us a lot as well uh typically we'll be here every uh friday and saturday of ufc event weeks Pete, i don't know if you've looked at the schedule mm-hmm my life's been nuts, man. I haven't looked at it. It's, I mean, look, it's it's understandable. You got a kid on the way. We, we yeah. I, I know what's going on with uh, the business for you. I get all that. Uh, we have 10 UFC shows in the next 11 weeks. All right, cool. Nice. That's good. I mean, the hiatus felt like forever. I, I felt like I retired from, from you know, doing our, our breakdowns. It, it was it was sad. Uh, it was nice because I got a lot done. But in, at the same time, it's kind of like, all right, well, I make additional money by by you know targeting these fights in addition to my passions breaking down the fights and providing my analysis with you and um i don't know i just missed the whole thing it's fun so it's something to do on the weekend and uh i'm happy to have the ufc back now of course uh, let's get right into the fights main event is now at 205 pounds sean strickland set up here on about a week's notice to replace kevin gosselin taking on nazarene emadoff emadoff 8700 on dk 7700 for strickland they're both 19 dollars on FanDuel, but uh, let's talk about the weigh-ins because that to me has got to be a little bit of a talking point with this fight pete the fact that sean strickland weighs in at 204 pounds Imovov weighs in at 194 pounds. And the, the one thing that I will say that to me really sticks out is the fact of listening and, and watching a lot of sh- uh, smart people in this business. I, I think the overall consistent, consistent statement is the longer this fight goes, the more it favors Sean Strickland. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's easy to say because we've seen Strickland in five round bouts before and Imovov kind of has that that asterisk next to him until he does it um i will say that you know it's good that sean strickland when he's training he's constantly sparring so i feel like his timing and and everything is always uh he's always prepared in in that aspect um i don't think that he's in the best physical shape he looks like a guy who's taking weeks off of a fight which you know you can't blame the guy at all um i believe he just got into a motorcycle accident or or racked up his bike uh this could be a financial decision but I also think it's just trying to be in the good graces of the UFC. And 
Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily like the the short notice nature for Sean Strickland. I think it's pretty evident that Emovolve is in next level, uh, next level shape, top level conditioning. I like him with the short notice nature of this bout. If it was a full camp, I would probably be be looking at the Sean Strickland side a little bit more. Um, I don't hate the value on Sean Strickland at 7,700 just because of, I, I think that this could be a patient fight. Um, and one that tends to go a little bit later than what we're accustomed, uh, accustomed to. I actually really like Imovov here. I just think that, um, he's very dangerous. I think he's going to be prepared. Uh, he can threaten Sean Strickland in all areas and Sean Strickland usually has, you know, a sneaky wrestling upside in some matchups, despite his love for throwing hands. Uh, so with all that being said, I like Imovov here. 8,700 is fine. Uh, I'm going to get to him plenty. Um, but it's not like a priority for me. Like I'm not sit, sitting there and locking them in, uh, just because I could see this, you know, ending in the third, maybe not even ending at all inside the distance. It just kind of goes, you know, the, the full 25 minutes, but you know, my, my pick is going to be uh Nasruddin Imovov at 8,700. And, uh, it's a vast experienced, uh, difference inside the UFC four and one for Imovov, whereas Sean Strickland's 12 and five. But I, I just really like the short notice nature for Imovov here. I think the boxing is going to be competitive, and uh, everything throughout is going to make me lean in Imovov's favor. I, I will say this: I think the one concern that I, I do have in, in terms of Imovov is a twenty-five minute aspect. Now, of course, uh, throw a little stat at you now. Sean Strickland becomes the second fighter in UFC history to headline back-to-back -back UFC shows joining Tito Ortiz back at UFC 32 uh, and 33. And, and this is one of those things of if you're a multiple entry player, this is where I think Emovolve may be going undervalued in terms of I think a lot of people are going to look at Sean Strickland at 7,700 and say, man, Sean Strickland, he's got volume, keeps on the feet. He can rack up some points at 7,700. So I do think that if you're if you're a player that's more than developing one lineup, you know, say you're getting into a 20 max or maybe a 150 max, whatnot, I think that is a thought process, a game theory to have for this fight card is the fact of Emoval may go lower owned and you might be able to get a little bit of leverage on the field. Yeah, I mean, naturally the the main events carry more ownership, but I actually think that you're you're hitting the nail right on the head. Whereas, you know, we're desperate for an underdog for this card, in my opinion. Uh, and you just lost probably one of the most popular underdogs in Priscilla Cachoeira, who was going to be everybody's darling against a fighter in Zajara Eubanks, who struggles to make weight, um, hasn't had good momentum. Whereas, you know, Priscilla Cachoeira has been on such a hot streak lately, touching the chin of all of her opponents. Now we lose her, and she was priced at 7400 So um, I think a lot of people are just going to punt in hopes that Sean Strickland can survive and just get some points throughout a 25-minute contest. So uh, I, I would agree with you that Sean Strickland is probably going to be a little bit more popular than he should be in a situation like this. Um, I'm excited to see the exchanges between the two, to be honest, because uh, Sean Strickland um, kind of like he baits his opponents into – throwing long combinations and um, kind of has that Philly shell type of style about him. And I, I want to see Imovov's, you know, light footwork, bouncing in and out, darting in with some long combinations, some explosive right hands. I just can't wait. So uh, it's still going to be Imovov play, but as far as ownership wise, I actually am kind of surprised to see Imovov carrying a, 
you know, a little bit lower than, than what I was anticipating. Uh, Matt, appreciate the comedy. Says the Strickland size and defense going to be tough. We'll say a lot about Imovov if he does last and win. I mean, look, you know, the one thing for Imovov is this is a step up in competition. I mean, the Gaslam fight was a step up in competition for him. That to me is is a key with this one. It's a step up in competition from him based on who he's faced. Of course, Sean Strickland has fought the elite of the elite in this 185 pound division. You know, you you do kind of wonder the fact of, you know, I want to say he took like 139 uh, significant strikes this fight against Jerry Cannonier. You're coming back a month later. What has training looked like? And, you know, look, he's a guy that loves to spar all the time, so we'll see what happens here. Let's move over to the co-main event. You got Dan Ige taking on Damon Jackson. Dan Ige, 8,400, 7,800 for Damon Jackson, 16 and 14 respectively over there on the FanDuel side of the equation. I had a chance to uh, catch up with Damon Jackson about, uh, I would say about a month ago or so, maybe, maybe a little less than that. And, uh, you know, he, he talked about this is a fight he's been wanting for some time. And, you know, this is one of those matchups where it's like, man, Danny Ige is so tough. And, you know, Damon Jackson, I would call a well-rounded mixed martial artist. Um, you know, Dan, I feel like for Danny Ige, he probably views this matchup as a get-right fight. Um, but to me, if Damon Jackson is going to win this fight, Pete, and I'll see whether you agree with me or not, I feel like for him to win this fight, he has to get to the ground. Yeah, but I, I think that's going to be really tough against Dan Ige because Dan Ige, he might be better than, better than Damon Jackson on the mat, and that, that could be a hot take, but I, I don't believe it is. Uh, Dan Ige is fantastic when it comes to grappling. Um, Damon Jackson is more apt to go to that well because he can kind of um, – expose some flaws within most of his opposition. And we saw him do that against several opponents where Damon Jackson, you know, the Pat Sabatini knockout kind of threw me for a loop because I thought Sabatini was going to wash him there. But Daniel Argetta, tons of back control, almost submission attempts, uh, scored 79. Kim Wella Kirk um, completely ragged all them throughout that contest, scored 106. Charles Rosa, too comfortable off of his back, 112. I don't think that's going to happen here against Dan Ige. Um, I really like Dan Ige here. If you look at the names of who he's fought within this division, clearly the better opposition. He's fought everybody um, and been very competitive with most of them as well. And I, I like the the power that Dan Ige possesses. I think that he's the more well-rounded of the two. Damon Jackson doesn't look comfortable on the feet. Yes, he can land some combinations and he will throw, but he does not like it when people return fire on him. I think Dan Ige is okay to bite down on the mouthpiece, return fire, land some big shots. Um, if it hits the mat or Damon Jackson looks to take it to the mat, I think Danny EA is going to be wise enough and skilled enough to defend everything, uh, spin around, take advantage of certain situations. And uh, Danny EA is going to be a, a play that I like a lot more than what the field's probably going to like just because of our desperation for underdogs. So Danny EA for me at 8,400, I was expecting him to be about 87, 8,800. Um, I like him a lot, and I think that he has some sneaky finish upside here. I, I actually think that he can knock out um, Damon Jackson and uh, you know possibly score pretty pretty well on a slate like this. And uh, the mid-range goes overlooked more often than not. Danny Ige is probably going to be one of the names I'm going to circle and say, yeah, I want to get to more of him. Uh, as far as a desperation underdog, I mean, I've been wrong on Damon Jackson before. I, I just really think that, you know, I didn't like what Damon Jackson, how he looked on the scale either. Uh, I thought that he really looked like he had a bad weight cut. Um, he seemed to be very, very, very jittery. And uh, it, it seemed to me like 
that weight cut really took a lot out of him. And if I'm Dan Ige, I'm digging to the body, as we have seen uh, Ilya Teporia do in the past. So, uh, yeah, Dan, give me Dan Ige here at 8,400. It might be like a, a flag-planting situation for me, but I, I like Ige quite a bit. Yeah, you know, uh, Shine saying uh, thoughts on over-under in this fight, which I, I take he, he's mentioning about Ige and Jackson. That's not necessarily on, on the the main event here. Um, I mean, look, that over one and a half is juiced. I mean, I'm seeing minus 335, the best uh, minus 310. I mean, I, I generally do think that this fight probably is going to go over one and a half yeah. round. Wouldn't, wouldn't shock me if this ultimately goes in, in being a, a, a three-round fight here, but I, I like everything you're saying there. But, you know, Damon Jackson has, has proven us wrong. I mean, I, you, you bring up the past Sabatini fight. Like, that was a fight that just did not expect to see that out of him, and he goes out there and does this. But, I mean, look, it's to me, it's always interesting when I talk to a fighter and they're like, I've been wanting this fight. And, and so that, yeah. that makes you go. Now, now, look, how much of that also is your Damon Jackson – you're trying to get a number next to your name. You look at Danny Ige. Danny Ige's lost three in a row. Of course, it's against top competition. You know, so that to me is something to think about here. So um, I, I don't mind getting to Damon Jackson. Like if you tell me, like if I'm playing a single lineup, I would much rather get to Dan Ige than I would want to get to Damon Jackson. Um, but you know, it, over on the Fanduel side of the equation, if you don't like Danny Ige to win by stoppage. I don't know if I really like this fight over on FanDuel. Yeah, move on. Um, and I'm just kind of projecting that Ige is going to be a little bit tougher than what Damon Jackson is is expecting in this matchup. Um, there's good value on, on Jackson, and um, he's a fighter that kind of uh, overperforms. So, like, you can't really project that, whereas step up in competition against Pat Sabatini through – a nice front kick into the combination and, and knocked them out. And I just didn't expect that because Pat Sabatini's grappling style. Um, it, so anyways, I, I hold Pat Sabatini in such high regard. And I just think that Dan Ige's tough. He's not scary. And that's probably why Damon Jackson has been eyeing this matchup. You want to go up against tough guys. It's a, it takes a certain type of person to sign that dotted line against a scary opponent. But Jackson did sign that fight against Ilya Teporia, who has proven to be a complete monster <laughs> yeah. with the division. So um, I just think that Damon Jackson kind of looks at some fighters who he's fought and said, Danny is not nearly as scary as those guys. And I would agree. But I just think that he's a very, very tough out. And this could be a nice little bounce back spot for Ige, who's on a three-fight skid. Like we can't we can't mention that enough mm-hmm. against Chan Sung Jung, Josh Emmett, and most recently against Mozart Ibloev, three studs within a division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he has not gotten any easy fight. Uh, looking at some of the prop bets over there, uh, first of all, we'll talk on prize picks. Uh, so we got two props on Dan Ige. Significant strikes, 57.5. Fantasy score, 76.5. I kind of like the more on both of those yeah. equations. I, I I would say this, and, and I'm not a big fantasy score player over at prize picks, but I feel yeah. like that's the juicier option if you're looking to play Dan Ige. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, I think that a couple combinations could actually make Jackson crumble, but the the fantasy score for how I'm seeing this fight go, mid eighties at least. Um, but for DraftKings, you don't really know if that's going to be enough. But for a fantasy score prop, I actually like the more on both of those. So uh, 
the more for the significant strikes depends on how how much Damon Jackson wants to grapple or how much this is a grappling and scrambling fest. Um, so I, I'd be with you. I'd much rather get to the fantasy score than the significant strikes. Yeah, I, I'm with you in, in terms of that one. Uh, did did see the comment about the audio level? We'll, we'll make those adjustments as we do go on. We're we're a two man show over here. We're a two man show over. Here. We don't, <laughs> we, you know. Uh, and by the way, over on Underdog, Danny gave fifty six and a half as well. So um, I, I would say this: I would much, I would be more interested on the significant strikes playing more. 56 and a half, but I think over on prize picks, I'd rather attack that fancy score of 76 and a half. Let's move over to the next matchup. Got a middleweight matchup. Uh, one of these guys, I just feel like I could never get his fight right for the most part. And that's Punaheli Soriano taking on Roman Kopilov. Soriano, 8,500, 7,700 for Kopilov and seventeen thirteen respectively over there. Of course, both guys did make weight here. Earlier on today, uh, Puna was at 185 and a half, Kopilov at 185. And Pete, Puna is just one of those guys that you look at and you you see the power. And we, if you go back to his contender series fight, we saw the wrestling, but he wore down as that fight went on, which is always kind of like if I'm thinking about the question marks of Puna Heli Soriano, to me is if he doesn't get Kopilov out in seven and a half minutes or under, is that cardio there? And I think the one fight I really turned to is that Brandon Allen fight a couple years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, – admittedly, there are some fights on this card where I'm still torn. This is one of them. Um, for most of the card, I feel pretty confident in my picks and my plays. For this one, I'm going to have some split exposure. Obviously, we're desperate for underdogs. We could have a week where we have a, a losing fighter, a part of the optimal lineup. Um, that's kind of like what I'm feeling this week. It, it could be a weird week. Um, but Roman Kopilov sitting there at 7,700 is going to be a guy with some late finish upside or a possible decision win. Um, you have two explosive athletes, but Punahela Soriano is much more explosive and powerful than Roman Kopilov. Kopilov is more like the more consistent of the two. He's steadier, steadier output. Uh, Punahela Soriano throws big, big damaging strikes, has nice takedowns whenever he wants to go to that well. And I actually think that's probably the easiest path to victory here against Roman Kopilov is just blending it. Blend everything. Don't just get into a, an absolute slugfest. Don't fight emotionally. Go out there. Throw big combinations. If Kopilov starts to return fire, starts to really step forward a little bit too aggressively, change levels, put him on his back, look towards taking his back. Because uh, Roman Kopilov you know, almost was submitted against Albert Durayev, who's a phenomenal grappling expert. Um, even Carl Roberson was able to, to submit uh, Roman Kopilov in the third round by taking him down, taking his back, and working towards a rear naked choke. I just think that Punahela Soriano's wrestling is much more powerful than uh, Carl Roberson. Um, Abu Duraev, I thought, should have got the finish in round two. Was very, very close to getting it done. Um, but Kopilov, you know, kind of bounced back against uh, Alessio De Chirico and put together a very nice performance and one in the round and one in uh, the third round. So when I'm split and I'm torn on a fight like this, Punahela Soriano has the power edge worried about his cardio um, outside the Brennan Allen fight, like Brennan Allen and the Nick Maximov, who's just a relentless wrestler. I've liked them in every single bout. Uh, the Oscar Pajota, Dusko Todorovic, Dolce Lungo Mula. I just, I love his ability to get a finish. I am going to lean towards Punahela Soriano because of his gym. And that's kind of what I do is if it's a close fight and I'm having a, a difficult time, 
I look into what gym they're they're training out of, who they're training with, and Punahelo Soriano is going to get that extreme couture lean for me. I'm going to lean in his direction. But with all that being said, I'm going to get to Roman Kopilov. I'm going to get to a lot of these underdogs. Um, but from a betting perspective, uh, I'm going to be targeting Punahelo Soriano. I think that he has some sneaky finishing upside, and if he kind of just makes this a more consistent and less explosive performance, I think this can, can be a very easily won fight. It's just a matter of going out there and putting it together under the lights. Yeah, we're looking over at the prop bets on this one in terms of we're talking about uh, prize picks or we're talking about the underdog. Uh, 47 and a half significant strikes uh, for Soriano. Uh, fight time, 11 minutes. I think that's that's kind of an interesting fight time number, Pete. Um, you know, because I, I generally think that if, if Soriano wins this fight, it's likely probably by stoppage with, you know, within 10 minutes. Uh, fantasy score, 85 and a half. And then over at underdog, uh, you just have uh, significant strikes at 46 and a half for Puna Soriano. Any of those uh, stick out to you? Uh, I mean, the fight time, anytime Puna Soriano is is out there, it's like the way that he fights, that 11 and a half is completely wrong. You know what I mean? Like that that's that's crazy because he goes out there and he, he just throws caution to the wind. Um, but Eric Nixick, Extreme Couture, if 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 Punahel Soriano wants to make a run towards the title, you you have to go out there and be a little bit more methodical, slow it down, slow the pace down. So um, I have a sneaky some, uh, suspicion that this is going to touch the later rounds, but I think it could be a late round two stoppage. So um, I don't know if I, I would target anything there. Nothing's really sticking out to me other than just blindly going with Punahel Soriano. You know, under one and a half is is basically the always the play for a Puna play. Yeah, I mean, as I think about uh, Soriano here, I, you know, I'm looking at that potential of if he does get some takedowns, could rack yeah. up some points. And of course, we, you know, especially when we're talking about the DraftKings side of the equation, we're always talking about looking for those fighters that have the ability to rack up some points with those takedowns. Let's move over. Next up, we got a female matchup: Kayla Vieira taking on Raquel Pennington. Kayla Vieira eight two hundred eight thousand for Raquel Pennington seventeen and fourteen here. Um, Pete, I do not like this matchup for DFS. I mean, I just, to me, this has got 15-minute low volume. You know, winner gets 75 points. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I I don't really think it's a, you know, fantasy-friendly matchup. But because of the salary, I'm kind of, like, forced to play it. Um, I'm getting to Raquel Pennington from an underdog standpoint just Mm -hmm. because of her momentum. Uh, I she's on a four fight win streak over Miriam Renault, Pena Kianza, Macy Chasson, and Aspen Ladd. I mean, she's she's on one hell of a tear right now. And Ketlin Vieira is a fighter that I ha- I hold with higher upside than Raquel Pennington, but within that upside, there is some inconsistency. I mean, she dropped a decision to Yana Kuniskaya, who she was dominating up, up until like the final forty five seconds of round three, and then you know Yana just put it on her for like the final thirty. 30 seconds and then uh that definitely swayed the judges but she should be on a four fight win streak as well over Sajara Eubanks, Yana Kuniskaya, Misha Tate and Holly Holm. I hold the grappling of Ketlin Vieira in higher regard than Raquel Pennington, but this could be like a wall and stall, reversing position, lots of clinch, lots of, you know, you know, uh cage control weird decision that we're all kind of scratching our head about. Um I'm going to be favoring Ketlin Vieira here at 8200. But I kind of view these like 1A, 1B. Whatever fits within my lineup, I'm going to get to just because it's a close fight, right? Like 
Raquel Pennington's looked really good. Definitely fought some top competition. She's eleven and five in the UFC. Caitlin Vieira is seven and two. Um, you know, and we did see her get knocked out against Irene Aldana. So, how is her chin when she's aggressive? Can she get countered? Yes, she can get countered. I just think that Irene Aldana's boxing is next level. Um, so I, I kind of view Caitlin Vieira as eight and one in the UFC. And um, this is a fighter that when she puts it all together, she has good throws, good takedowns, great top control. And what I saw from uh, Raquel Pennington is, you know, she throws knees a lot in the clinch. And sometimes those knees can be caught and in, in she can get taken down as Aspen Ladd took her down. Um, and I do think that Caitlin Vieira is much heavier on top and can work towards a submission. So uh, give me Caitlin Vieira to win a decision at 8,200. Don't really love it from a, a fantasy standpoint, but I got to get to it because of the salary. I'm glad that you brought up the takedown potential of Kalen Vieira because as I look at the props over prize picks, that one and a half number on Kalen Vieira is a number yeah. that does stick out to me. I do like going the more there. Uh, significant strikes, 46 and a half. You know, I... If, if you're going to play one side or the other, I'd probably go more. Um, you know, the 70 and a half number when it comes to fantasy score, I really don't want to touch over there. Uh, then over an underdog, uh, her significant strikes is 46 and a half takedowns, one and a half. I would tell you that I like the more on, on both of those equations. Yeah, so I don't think it's going to be easy to take down Raquel Pennington um, because when you shoot traditional double legs or anything against the, against the cage, Raquel Pennington does the correct things. Um, she fights for underhooks. She's able to uh, get a good whizzer, um, pull her opponent up, reverse position, and then start to employ a, a good clinch striking type of fight. Um, but I do think that Kentlin Vieira possesses some unorthodox takedowns, some judo-esque takedowns, lots of trips, lots of uh, uchimadas into, uh, you know, chaining an uchimada into a double leg or uchimada into an ankle pick. Um, so I, I really like Kentlin Vieira's skill set. Like when I look at the two, I see a higher ceiling for Ketlin Vieira, whereas I think Raquel Pennington is just like the little engine that could. She's just steady. If you don't put her away, she's going to be in your face. She's going to make it a difficult night. And if you aren't up to a 15-minute war, she can steal a decision over you. I, I do think that Ketlin Vieira is going to be ready for this opportunity. And uh, you know, we, we have to remember that Misha Tate looked phenomenal. And then she fought Catelyn Vieira, and Catelyn Vieira looked pretty damn good and just kind of outclassed her. So uh, I, I do think that Catelyn Vieira is going to get the W here at 8,200. It's taken us five fights to get to the first fighter. That's over $9,000, and that is Umar Namaga Madoff. He is 9,300. He's taken on Hani Barcelos at 6,900. And then over on FanDuel, $23 for Namaga Madoff, $8 for Hani Barcelos. Pete, uh, obviously, Hani uh, Barcelos, a longtime vet in this sport, but uh, Umar, man, this is a guy that uh, a lot of people believe has potential to be a UFC champion within the next two years. Yeah, I mean, First off, let me just say that Umar Nurmagomedov is my favorite fighter under Habib, under AKA. Like, I, I love him. I, I think that for me personally, he has the highest upside of everybody. Um, his skill set in the striking department, in the wrestling department, is just next level. With that being said, what the heck are these odds? What the heck are these odds? This is ridiculous. And it's completely inflated because of the last name, Nurmagomedov, the, uh, you know, just the popularity of him and everybody within the Habib Nurmagomedov team, 6,900 for Hounding Barcelos, like minus 600, minus 700 for Umar Nurmagomedov, almost minus 1,000 right now. 
for Umar Namagamadov, mm-hmm. I get it. But like Howney Barcelos is nasty. There was a time I thought Howney Barcelos was going to be within the top five, challenging for the title, possibly winning it because he's a fantastic jujitsu competitor. Um, he has very good boxing, very good wrestling. Um, and then it kind of seemed like what happened to him? It's almost like he got de- you know deflated a little bit with within the the UFC and you know lost a majority decision to Timor Valley of who very inconsistent inside the UFC, but phenomenally skilled, then lost a follow-up decision to Victor Henry. And I'm like, what the heck? Was I over-projecting Howney Barcelos? I really don't think I was. I mean, he has a win over Saeed Namagamedov, uh, Khalid Taha, Chris Gutierrez, like, you know, some decent names. But when you look and you watch him fight, you're like, this guy has championship potential. The issue is that I do think that Umar Namagamedov is going to get this done. I think standing up, he's too tricky. His kicks are probably going to be the reason he, he picks up this win over Howney Barcelos because Howney's very comfortable in the boxing department. But if you start throwing relentless kicks, question mark kicks, round kicks to the head, I think he's going to catch Howney Barcelos with one of these. I really do. Um, not to mention that Umar Namagamadov possesses phenomenal wrestling that will test Howney Barcelos. And I actually think that he will be the better wrestler of the two. So I. I like Umar Namagamadov to win this fight. It's just like 6,900 for one of the most talented fighters within this division. Yeah, he may be washed a little bit, but this is a complete punt play where I'm going to be playing Howney Barcelos, not expecting him to win. Mm-hmm. He could win, but it's just a salary play where it's like, yeah, I think this is going to be a competitive three-round fight. If he gets me 40 points, 50 points in a loss, I'm okay with that. Like He scored 59 against Victor Henry. 52 against Timur Valiev. You know what I mean? Like 6,900 allows you to get to everything. And I still think Umar Nurmagomedov is going to get this done. I have some lineups with Umar Nurmagomedov, but uh, the the price with the finishing potential, uh, I'm probably going to go a little bit lighter in the 9,000 range just because I like the finishing equity of some of those other fighters. You know, Brad mentions uh, in the chat, he says uh, these odds are way too wide, yep. but Umar still wins. So I was just, uh, I was looking at the prop bets while you were, you were talking about this. The over one and a half rounds minus 455. It kind of takes, think about it like that, right? Like yeah. you can simplify it like that. Like the over, we want 9,000 fighters to get an early first round, maybe second round finish or a complete domination. For me, I just think of, and I kind of foresee how this fight's going to go, and I'm like, I think he's just overpriced. Like, he should be the he should be the A-side, but as far as, like, DFS score, I don't think it's going to justify the salary. You know, I mean, just look at the finishing props here. Barcelos wins by TKO KO, plus 1,600. Nurmagomedov yeah. wins via TKO KO, plus 650. Barcelos wins via submission. We all know Hani Barcelos has got that submission. <laughs> Plus twenty eight hundred, uh, and yeah. Mafia's decision plus three hundred. Now, you know, I do look at that takedown prop uh, over at uh, Underdog and Prize Picks, uh, both uh, at two and a half. Like to me, if I'm going to play that, I'd much rather play the more than the less of two and a half there. Um, you know, but uh, I, I do like Umar should win this matchup, but it's just from a DFS perspective, it's like okay. We're chasing to get to 650, 700 points over on DraftKings, okay? If you're building your lineup around Umar, the mindset's got to be is, A, we need to finish, and B, we need some takedowns. Yeah. I mean, sometimes 
a, a much more competitive opponent brings out the best of somebody. But I will say that Umar Namagamedov only scored 104 against Nate Manis. You know I don't think Nate Manis is good. I have uh, never thought I mean, You're the president of that fan club. I know you are. <laughs> you know, I've, I've always said that about him. But Umar Namagamedov scored three of four takedowns in that bout, landed 74 significant strikes, had 10 minutes of control time, did not finish Nate Manis. So for me, from a prop betting standpoint, I expect Umar Namagamedov to win two rounds. I think that I'm going to put money on uh, Umar Namagamedov to win a decision. I might even look at the draw. I might even say that this could be a weird fight because Howney Barcelos could actually make this competitive. Um, so I, I'm going to go that Umar Namagamedov wins a decision, and I just don't think it's the best salary play at 9300. And by the way, that Umar Namagamedov wins by decision prop minus 200. Tristan asked if we like the Umar over 91 and a half fancy score. Uh, I mean, I do, I do like Umar Namagamedov. I mean, he scored 104 with Nate Manis, three-round decision, 105 at Kelleher, first-round submission, 111 uh, over Sergey Morozov. I expect him to get in the 90s. Yes. I think it's close, though, Tristan. And, and Brandon mentioned, he goes, Umar is going to have a lot of ownership. Uh, Barcelos, 93% takedown at defense. I mean, like part of that with Barcelos, too, is you're going to have a lot of, a lot of fighters who are going to go in there with a game plan of let's not engage in grappling with Hani Barcelos because you know, you know, but obviously Umar very talented when it comes to the ground aspect as well. Let's move over to the next matchup. we got Claudio Ribeiro taking on Abdul Razik Al-Hassan, Al-Hassan 8,300, uh, Ribeiro 7,900, both $15 on FanDuel, which uh, that becomes a very interesting play over there on the FanDuel side of the equation. Uh, Al-Hassan is a guy that you, you love because of the power, but he has burned me in some situations, Pete. Oh my God. As he burned us. Now, guess what? I said that there was a fight that I was very torn on, and that's the Punis Oriano, Roman Kopolov. I'm leaning towards uh, Punis Oriano. The next fight that I've been back and forth with is this Claudio uh, Ribeiro, Abdul Razak Al Hassan fight. 8,300 for Al Hassan, Ribeiro at 7,900. If this is standing up, I think that Claudio Ribeiro is just so wild and so aggressive that he will touch the chin of Abdul Razak Al-Hassan and knock him out because I just remember Chaos Williams putting Al-Hassan into a different dimension and you know Chaos Williams hits really hard but if you go back and you look at a lot of his regional tape and a lot of his regional um, resume it's a lot of decisions so when he came and he starts Al-Hassan it's like holy moly now you're going up against Claudio Ribeiro who has a ton of finishes Throws excellent boxing combinations. The issue with Ribeiro is is he's a complete liability in the takedown department. If you go back and you watch his his regional tape, his takedown defense is terrible, terrible. Um, Abdul Razak Al Hassan actually in his previous performance against Joaquin Buckley, who hits really hard as well, landed a couple takedowns. So he landed three or four takedowns, had you know about three minutes of control time. And I do think that that's an interesting wrinkle because Abdul Razak Al-Hassan comes from a very, very good uh, judo background. He's a good judoka athlete, but he fell in love with his hands. We see this often where certain fighters start to fall in love with the power and knocking people out, and they don't become well-rounded mixed martial artists. Now, I'm not expecting uh, Al-Hassan to become a D1 wrestler by any means, 
But what I do think that you can do is expose a clear deficiency within somebody's game. So I want to pick the just the, the plain under in this matchup because I, I do think that is going to occur more often than not. Uh, Al Hassan could clearly knock out Ribeiro by, you know, finding something a little bit sharper down the middle, whereas Ribeiro is super wide. Um, but I actually think that the strategy here, a part of team elevation, is just to be tight, you know, defensively and make this ugly and chain some takedowns together because Ribeiro's takedown defense is horrible, absolutely horrible. This is a coin flip fight for me because like Al Hassan's work rate and his his gas tank probably won't allow him to to perform a strategy like that or a game plan like that. I'm going to be leaning in Al Hassan's favor as much as I want to pick Ribeiro via knockout. Ribeiro is probably going to be one of my most exposed underdogs on the slate just because if he wins, I'm expecting a 100-point performance and he's going to be talked about because of that ridiculous power. But I have to, you know, I have to give Al Hassan some props and and look at everybody who he's fought. Nico Price, Munir Lazez, Chaos Williams, Jacob Malkoon, Joaquin Buckley, Alessio De Kirko, Sabah Hamasi. So, like, uh, I'm going to be picking Al Hassan here. Um, but this is a complete GPP priority fight. I don't know if I'll get away from it, to be honest. Yeah, uh, Shine saying play the under one half round here with yeah. the fingers crossed. Uh, Brand goes, no idea who to pick here, but this fight is likely optimal. Yeah, sure. I mean, that, that's as I was kind of thinking about the fighting style here. And I mean, look, if you go over and you look at those prize picks, props, Pete, fight time on Al Hassan is five minutes. So that tells you, you know, yeah. people who are setting lines, what they kind of feel of this fight, uh, the significant strikes for Al Hassan, 36 and a half, fantasy score, 75 and a half, and looking over on underdog, uh, significant strikes for Al Hassan, 34 and a half, uh, and over at underdog, they have finishes, and uh, they have that as a half, so whether you may think that's going to win by a finish or not here, but uh, yeah, it's a fight to me you got to prioritize because I, I think the, the likely scenario is someone's getting finished here. Yeah, I mean, Al Hassan used to be a round one or bust guy, mm-hmm. and then you run into a guy in Munir Lazez who's able to take so many shots and stretch out the fight, and then you run into a complete nightmare of a matchup against uh, Jacob Malkoon, and then you just went the full 15 minutes against Joaquin Buckley, in addition to training at elevation now. I think it's only going to help him. Like, I, I really do think it's only going to help him. Um you know, you want his aggressiveness, especially in your lineups. But I actually think that there's more uh, unknown surrounding Ribeiro, clearly. So I, I'm gonna, just going to put a little bit of faith in Al Hassan that his experience is going to win out here in a very, very close but optimal fight. Of course, appreciate everyone tuning in here for our preview of UFC Vegas 67. Be sure to join our Discord. Totally free to join. Appreciate Connor, Sean, y'all just uh, some of the most recent members of our Discord channel. So uh, you can check that right in the description below to join our Discord channel. Also, you can check out our friends over at Stochastic as they do have an offer for our listeners. And of course, uh, when you click those links, take advantage of your helping support myself and Pete over here at Fight HQ. We will be here tomorrow on Saturday as well 3 p.m eastern time so one hour before ufc vegas 67 starts and that'll be a pretty much just a straight q a session uh and then of course we'll talk a little game theory and how we're developing our lineups look at some prop bets that we like as well and of course as i always say if there anything you want to hear me and pete talk about be sure to hit us up because i'm just going to tell you the next matchup uh pete um uh, you know your, your northeast scene is a little under fire on this one 
Yeah, I mean, it's a complete resume mismatch because Mataj Rebeski against Nick Fiore. Nick Fiore's strength of schedule doesn't actually show how talented he is, and I will back him up. He's very good. You don't think Nick Fiore's good? No, no, no. I'm, I, I like the grappling, but here, here's the problem. Okay, we both know this Northeast scene, Pete. Correct. Why are you fighting Jay Ellis twice? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, mean, that's listen, enough. I, like, Pete, that. okay, I can, I, I've got no problem on the regional scene of you getting the right fights. Come on, man. You should not be fighting JLS twice. Yeah, I mean, once is bad you, enough. You, you, can't, you can't even defend that. It could be, I Nick can't. could be, if Nick was in your gym, you'd be sitting there going, I mean, come on. I mean, I, I did get a press release on a promotion having a 1-0 guy fight a guy who's having his 30th fight and has a winning record. I saw that. Uh, I, 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 I was just say I made a phone call today. And I basically yeah. said, what the hell is going on in Maine? Maine's like the Wild West. And no, and, and who, who, who in the corner of the fighter who's wearing out was telling him this is a good fight to take? I don't know. It's it's very this, foolish. This sport is about the best way I can describe it. This sport. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like you got some people that not everybody's a good coach, but a lot of fighters turn into coaches, and a lot of them just like. A lot of fighters that turn into coaches don't know how to teach, never mind know how to manage. MMA is the most mismanaged sport there is. It is. Great point. Think about Great it. point. It's, it's the most mismanaged sport there is. You got people that don't have financial knowledge managing tons of things. Um, you have people that basically just have fight experience. And I do think that there needs to be – that's why you're a coach. I get it. But there also needs to be smarter legal people with financial backgrounds to help you out or legal experience to basically make sure that you're not putting yourself into a terrible spot. This fight against Mataj Rebeski and Nick Fiore, massive, massive um, experience advantage for Rebeski. He's fought top-level competition, top-level competition. His striking is much better than Nick Fiore. Um, and his grappling is very good. I won't say his grappling's much better than Nick Fiore because I actually think that Nick Fiore's jujitsu is fantastic. I have to tell you, I think it's absolutely fantastic. He works to the back against most of his opposition. Striking is still kind of like learning on the job. Um, a part of the New England cartel, you know that they're going to be prepared, and I do think that Nick Fiore has helped Calvin Cater a ton throughout his camps, in addition to Rob Font, everybody within that stable. I just think that this is just, you know, we got you in the UFC. You got to do what you got to do sometimes. When the UFC calls, uh, this is how you get in. And the fights after this are, are basically how you make your mark on the sport. But uh, it's a very tough one. It, it really is a, a, a tough one. Rebeski, outside of getting completely exhausted in this matchup, shouldn't lose this fight. But I will tell you that if Nick Fiore goes out there and gets Rebeski down, he could get us some points at 6,800, kind of similar to Howney Barcelos, and nobody's going to play him. So mm-hmm. I'm going to play him just because I just need a losing fighter. Like, who is the, the, the guy a couple weekends ago? Kozlo, was it? Where I had him, and yes. I ended up yeah. taking down the tournament because, um, you know, he, uh, he got so many takedowns and so much control within the first round that when he had nothing left in rounds two and three, 
I still was able to basically create a unique lineup because of that construction. So I'm going to, you know, approach this fight the same. I think that Rebeski's salary reflects what it should. Um, I'm, I'm expecting a hundred point performance. Um, Nick Fiore is just a complete dart throw for me and uh fantastic jujitsu guy, fantastic yeah. jujitsu guy, but we'll have to see how the scrambles look between these two. I, I just think that Rebeski is going to be the stronger, more physically imposing of the two in, in route to a TKO finish. Yeah. I mean, look, the grappling you, you love of Nick and, and I'll tell you that, I'll relate this. I was having, uh, I did an interview yesterday with Don Shanis, who's going to be a part of the pay-per-view there in Perth and uh, did, did bring up the question about where he's training since he had been at, yeah. at glory's back in Northeast and going to, uh, you know, to a collection of gyms up there uh, in the Northeast. But, you know, he was talking about, cause you remember he, he stepped up on, on extremely short notice to get in the UFC. And, and he said, he goes, look, I didn't know if that call was ever going to come again. He said, yeah. so he goes, that's kind of the tough side of this industry is if you get that call to be in the UFC, you don't want to say no, because you never know if that call is going to come back again. By the way, I was looking over at Tapology. Is JLs retired? I have no idea. JLs has not fought since August of 2022. This is very unlike JLs. That is very true. I mean, <laughs> Who knows? There comes a point in time where you're dodging which commissions are going to approve you. Um, but to kind of go and piggyback off of your point where Shanus was saying he never knew if that phone call was going to come. I mean, it wasn't for the UFC, but for me, it was Bellator. I mean, I got the phone call. I was 22 years old. I was just learning MMA. I was a kickboxer for my whole life and a karate competitor for my whole life. And I got an opportunity for Bellator and I just saw Nick Pace you know, throw a flying knee and knock out this kid. And then uh, in Bellator, I'm like, man, I, I got to get into this. So I started doing it. And uh, the opportunity was there. And my dad and I had a conversation. It was like, yeah, we don't know if this is ever going to come again. Hindsight, little did I know that Uncasville, Connecticut was going to be like the hot spot for Bellator yeah. MMA. And they were going to come and return all the time because I should have never made my debut. But everything happens for a reason in a way, because then it really made me kind of like focus on my weaknesses and everything. But I mean, I had zero MMA fights or zero anything, and I went against the number one amateur in New England. Um, so for me, it, that was a mistake in hindsight, but also it kind of got me in the door. And now, like Bellator and I have a good relationship, and you know, I, I've done some pretty cool things for Bellator, not at the UFC level, but um, it's kind of similar. So I, I do think that a situation like that is where you just need to be patient. Patience in this game is rare. And sometimes patience pays off. Look at Yuri Prohoshka. He had the most patient approach there is. And then now mm -hmm. he, he, he captured the gold. I wish he didn't get injured, but he, he did it right. In my opinion. Yeah. You met, if you recall, he talked about that. The call to USC came prior, but he felt he yeah. wasn't ready. So he wasn't going to go in there. Yeah. And I mean, like, look, to kind of give people a little peek behind the walls of some of the conversations that me and Pete have had, you know, because of me being around this industry and, and talking to managers and talking to regional matchmakers, I kind of, I understand the regional side and me and Pete have had these conversations about the proper way to work your record, the proper way in, in taking the right steps. That's why like there's times on the regional scene 
where you see a fighter and I know a lot of people and it's very easy to crap on a fighter when they're, they're maybe taking on a lesser known competition, but there's gotta be, there's a method to the madness. And at some point, yes, you have to take that step up in competition. The problem is for, for me with Nick, I mean, this is a major step up in competition, but you know what? Maybe he's going to come in and you mentioned about Great jiu-jitsu. Great jiu-jitsu. He's just got to get it there. That, that to me, is, is the biggest question. Uh, Samuel, I appreciate you uh, checking in. As uh, Of course, uh, if you want to uh, always keep in line with what's going on with IHQ, join our Discord. Link is below. Let's move over. Next up, we got a matchup in the 135-pound division. Both these fighters did make weight today. Uh, Java Basra, another one of our 9,000 fighters, $9,218 over on FanDuel. What's your thoughts here on the favorite here? I love Bashra. I love Bashra. I absolutely love him. I think this is one of the most difficult debuts that you can have next to Nick Fiore against Mataj Rebeski. The only thing is Rebeski hasn't had a fight inside the UFC. So octagon jitters, you never know. You don't think so from a, a fighter within his caliber. But like what we've seen from Javid Bashra, he's ridiculous. Picking up a win over Trevin Jones and Tony Gravely, this guy out of extreme couture has a karate type of footwork approach Excellent striking, phenomenal takedown defense, submission defense. He's just well-rounded. I, I literally look at this guy, Jason, and I say he could challenge for the belt. He is that damn good. And I do think that Mataj uh, Mendonca is very good, hits really hard. Um, there is some tape out there where he tires if he doesn't find the finish. Has really, really heavy hands. Guess who had heavy hands, though? Tony Gravely. Tony Gravely has very heavy hands. And just the footwork and movement and work rate of Basharat kind of broke him uh, throughout the contest. And it was a decisive victory. I'm going to be planting my flag on, on Javid Basharat this week where as, you know, if Nick Fiore had a a a, uh, a less experienced opponent, I'd be saying I'd probably be getting to Nick Fiore a lot. If Mendonca had a less experienced opponent than Javid Basharat, I'd be getting to him a lot. But I'll tell you what, I just think Javid Basharat's fantastic. So I'm planting my flag. He hasn't picked up a finish yet. I think the cardio concerns that I have for Mendonca mm -hmm. is going to uh, equate to a Basharat inside the distance play. And at 9,200, I think that he, he has that slate-breaking potential. He hasn't done it yet. Scored 65 against Trevin Jones, 82 against Tony Gravely. But if a guy tires and is only a round one hero – and you can go out there and outwork him and punish him every which way. Uh, I, I can see 100 points in his future. So I'm going to go with Javid Basharat here pretty heavily at 9,200. Just has to avoid the big power of Mendonca. As we look over the prop bets, uh, first over at Prize Picks, uh, they're all on Boss right here. Uh, significant strikes, 72.5. Fight time, 12.5. Takedowns, 1.5. Fantasy score is 105.5. There's nothing available when it comes to underdog fantasy. But, P, as we look at those prop bets over there at Prize Picks with Boss Rod, uh, any of them stick out to you? What was the takedown prop? 1.5. Yeah, that's more. That's more. Um, uh, just because I think what's going to happen is uh, Mendonca is going to throw heavy combinations and Basharat's going to change levels, take him down, going to get back up. He's going to start beating up Mendonca um, and then just kind of just like beating him up so bad that his combinations are going to make him crash distance. And it's going to lead to another takedown en route to a finish. 
Um, so yeah, I'm gonna say he gets two takedowns. So uh, yeah, Basharat, I love the the fantasy score because that's kind of what I'm envisioning here. Um, 9200, I love it. And this is a guy in Mendonca who kind of looks like Figueredo a little bit with the, with the skill set, good jujitsu and good power. I just don't think that it's going to happen in this matchup. A very very tough debut. You know, when I'm talking about developing single lineups, whether we're talking about GPP or cash, like for cash, Basarat may be a core play for me. Yeah, I love it because that's where I'm, that's where my head's at this week. And I like the discount, right? Like Rebeski's going to have some heavy ownership. Um, I'm expecting him to get a finish. Uh, Umar Namagamadov is going to have ridiculous ownership. Don't really know if he his, his fantasy score is going to justify it. I think Basharat has that sneaky. Nobody wants to get to him because he's 9,000, hasn't found a finish yet. Yeah, I mean, that that's just one guy says, and, and that's to me when, especially when I'm developing cash lines, my my. I'm always like saying, okay, who do I have so, you know, have a ton of confidence in? Uh, Samuel yeah. uh, asking how many fights now. We are now down to 11. Uh, and uh, so, you know, he, he's got to work on his uh, over-under number. Let's see how well he does over here at Fight HQ That's with his, his over-under number. I, I feel like we're just going to keep track of Samuel. So by the time we get to December, we have like how good of a over-under finish number does Samuel put out there on a Friday afternoon? That'd be pretty fun. That would, that would definitely be pretty fun. And appreciate you checking us out, Sam. Appreciate everybody checking us out, really. I mean, uh, you guys just showing your support for us over the years has been phenomenal. Um, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Join the Discord, which is linked below inside of the description. Free to join. Just hang out with us. Talk about the fights. We'll talk about plays and changes of opinion if there is any at any time. And uh, it's just like a, a nice group of people already, which is kind of fantastic and, and we're super appreciative yeah and of course we're gonna have a ton of content over here at fight hq uh, as we get into uh bellator of course they kick off back here at the beginning of february they got a big show we'll do some coverage for that one of course uh, pfl the challenger series uh is starting up here uh i want to say two weeks from today i want to say is when they, they kick off that challenger series so pfl will be yep. right back into the equation they're making some news and uh i mean look pfl bellator both made some great signings this week uh you know, or last week, I should say, with uh, PFL signing Jake Paul. Whether you, you know, I know Pete may not be the great. biggest Jake Paul, but for PFL, it's a great signing. And, and for Bellator, re signing AJ McKee, that's a very huge signing. And uh, looks like we're getting AJ McKee, Patricky Pitbull. Yeah. That is kudos, Bellator. I talked about it on my podcast on Wednesday, and this is before they started kind of revealing the matchups. I go, that's the matchup you make. You have the storyline, and then maybe that leads us to that trilogy matchup of Patricio and AJ. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. that's uh, But, of course, you got any questions, line those up in chat. We'll get through those as we get to the end of the show. Let's move over next up. We got Nascimento taking on Hernandez. Look at the salaries here. Nascimento, 9,100, 7,100 for Hernandez, and then 20 and 11, respectively, over there on FanDuel. What's your take, Pete? Yeah, so, I mean, Carlos Hernandez coming from a friend of mine's gym in Mike Valley, Coach Mike. And uh, Coach Mike has really developed a, a great gym valley flow system so valley flow striking um i i really do think that carlos hernandez is good i just think that alan nascimento is really damn good um pretty big for the division excellent jujitsu um sneaky takedowns as well and whenever you get a victory over jake hadley it's pretty evident that you are legitimate jake hadley's good and uh, look good in his return fight um you can out control out maneuver and out scramble jake hadley and get nine minutes of control time I do think that you can control Carlos Hernandez. And 
I want to root for my boy's friend, uh, for my boy's fighter and Carlos Hernandez on the feet. I think is his best way to win is just outpointing Alan Nascimento, defending takedowns en route to a decision. So I'll be getting to Hernandez a little bit uh, for a decision upside. I don't think that he's going to have um, a strategy based on taking his opponent down as he has done in the past. He attempted nine takedowns over Victor Altamirano. I just think you're playing with fire if you start to go on the mat with Alan Nascimento coming from uh, Diego Lima shoot the box. So uh, I have to tell you that Nascimento can take the back really well. And on the contender series, we saw Carlos Hernandez get taken down multiple times, tons of times, and get his back taken. And a guy of, of Nascimento's jiu-jitsu caliber, I think, can actually uh, can actually um, you know make a submission happen, whereas other opponents were unable to. So I, I definitely think that Nascimento's in a sneaky spot. His work rate is what's a little bit worrisome for the salary, where it's like score twenty over Tikir Ulanbekov in a loss. Okay, scored 83 despite a decisive win over Jake Hadley. If he doesn't get the finish, or even if he does, it's kind of like a low volume, uh, low volume fight from uh, from Nascimento. Um, so I'm expecting Nascimento to get the win. I just don't know if I love him more than J- uh, Javid Basharat or Rebeski. I I think I like those two a little bit more. Um, but Nascimento is pretty sneaky. It, 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 he can definitely pick up a rear naked choke quickly but uh i'm going to project that it doesn't happen uh as some of the other ones happen a little bit better with better uh, fantasy scores uh and uh, spencer appreciate you checking us out yeah we're we'll be doing our breakdowns me and pete we're not going anywhere we're going to be here we'll be here uh on uh fridays of fight weeks and then uh we're going to be, be doing a show on saturday q a so get those last minute questions in one hour uh don't know about what kind of next week just because well Depends on what happens on Monday night with me. So we'll, we'll know whether or not we'll be here next Saturday. But that is the plan for us to be here and break down all these fights for you. So we appreciate you tuning in. And we'll talk about Samuels over under number here in a little bit. Next up, we got another matchup that was a fight change. As this was initially supposed to be Dan Argetta taking on Isaac Dolgarian. Dolgarian pulls out of the fight. And Nick Aguiar pulls into here. He's 7,300. Uh, Dan is 8,621 and over here on FanDuel. Uh, Dan was the last guy to step on the scale today. You ready for my hot take? Okay, all right. What, what is the Pete hot take here? Hot take, five days notice, Nick Aguirre submits Dan Argetto. And the reason I'll say that is I don't think a lot of people are going to be building lineups with that to happen. Um, Dan Argetto is going to be a massive favorite. Um, and Dan Argetta is a true bantamweight, to be honest. True bantamweight, and he's going to carry massive ownership here. I think that it at featherweight, you know, he, he's taken a fight at featherweight in the past um, against Damon Jackson, but, like, the short notice nature of that, he likes to wrestle. Um, and in his fight film, if I was coaching Nick Aguirre, I'm telling you, he leaves his neck out there so often where he just bullies everything. He bullies everything. And uh, he he leaves his neck out there, and certain jiu-jitsu practitioners are hunting necks. Nick Aguirre hunts the neck so well. I don't know how often Nick Aguirre's been training. If this was a full camp, I'd probably be going towards Nick Aguirre um, heavily just because he has true featherweight experience. Um, despite the lack of ultimate fighter experience, I actually think that this kid's jujitsu, this kid's jujitsu is slick. 
Um, I think his jujitsu is so slick that even if he's not as mature as an MMA fighter as Dan Argetta is, it really takes one mistake, whether it's a guillotine, a darce, or anaconda choke, or even if he gets put on his back, he throws up a good, very, very good triangle. He competes in grappling all the time. He's surrounded by good fighters at uh, Valley Flow. So, like, under Coach Mike, again, I know this might be a little bit of a homer pick, but I don't think anybody's going to be projecting to get to Nick Aguirre at all. And we just lost Priscilla Cachuera. So why wouldn't I take a shot on a guy who's going to come in in single-digit ownership with a fantastic jiu-jitsu skill set? As this fight gets stretched out, though, I do worry that Dan Argetta is going to TKO him. I have to tell you, Dan Argetta just brings a motor, and that motor can, can break anybody. Um, good wrestlers can ragdoll you, pick you up, you, take you down repeatedly. I worry about that. I'm just telling you that I don't think anybody's going to be expecting a Nick Aguirre submission. And I already put some money on it. I believe it was plus 1,200 or something silly like that. So uh, super wide for a kid with his best path to victory. That's his only path to victory here over Dan Argetta. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a hot take, but it's something that I'm going to be building my lineups around just because, you know, we don't know who can have a bad, you know, yep. weight cut. And Argetta stepping on a scale, you said last, could mean yeah. something. Yeah, very well. Uh, looking over at the uh, props on this one, uh, 45 and a half significant strikes for Dan. Uh, fight time, 14 and three quarters. One and a half takedowns for Dan. And a fantasy score of 85 and a half. That is over uh, on prize picks. And there's nothing on underdog. Yeah. I mean, exactly like Brandon's saying, nobody's going to have a Geary. I don't think many people are at all. Yeah. And uh, us being a part of a small platform like this now, Hopefully we can build the platform to be, you know, to have a large following. But right now, I think we can take advantage of a situation where I think everybody's just expecting this guy and Dan Argetta to go in there and smoke him. And it very well could happen. Mm -hmm. So I kind of circled this fight. I made, I probably a little too overexposed to Nick Aguirre, but I made sure that, all right, yeah, I'm a little aggressive over Aguirre, but I'm, I'm going to, you know, account for Dan Argetta kind of going in there and, dominating a short notice replacement also don't worry if it happens that thing's getting put on social media don't worry yeah. <laughs> don't worry I, I think i think it's gonna i did a a three fighter prop parlay which i don't like parlaying props but i did a charles johnson ko prop which we'll get to um i did a nick Aguirre submission prop and then i did one more uh i think i lost it because it was just, it was a sajara eubanks via submission and it was like plus 12,000 or plus 20,000, something silly like that. Yes. So like you throw small money on that and you can make a ton. So I, I yeah. hope it happens. Exactly. Uh, you mentioned about Charles Johnson. That's our now our new opening fight of this fight card. Take it on Jimmy Flick. 9,000 Charles Johnson, 7,200 for Flick, 21 and 10 over there on FanDuel. Uh, this is, uh, let's just say, this is why you do never, 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 never believe the R word in MMA. I don't care if Pete is 50 years old and he says that R word. I will not believe him. Never believe the retirement word in MMA. And Jimmy Flick, another example of this. This is actually a fight that about, I think it was about three weeks ago, two weeks ago, uh, a ton of money came in on Charles Johnson. Of course, I had raised a lot of suspicion on this one. Uh, but you just mentioned there, you, you love the win by knockout here. Yeah, I like Charles Johnson. Um, I, I will tell you that from an underdog standpoint, Jimmy Flick, if he gets an opportunity he's an opportunistic grappler where he he will hunt the neck so he will hunt submissions if they're there and um 
If not, he's playing jiu-jitsu and he's probably getting pounded out because in his losses, he's been TKO'd. Um, I don't think that he has the wrestling to really get the fight where he needs it to be. I think that Charles Johnson is a better wrestler than he is. Um, but you have to be careful that he doesn't start to go for his own takedowns, get a little too comfortable on top, get put in a triangle, um, similar to like Cody Durden. But that was a scramble that led to that. Up until that point, it looked like Cody Durden was going to be on his way to a TKO finish because Jimmy Flick's body language was just horrible. Like he was kind of bellied out, flattened out, was about to get pounded out. Um, so I, I do think that Charles Johnson on the feet is going to make this look pretty easy. Um, does he have power? Not necessarily. He has volume and precision, and Jimmy Flick, I think, can get flustered on the feet, especially if his game plan is going out the window. Um, I do expect a Charles Johnson KO via volume or just uh, you know a couple shots that lead to Jimmy Flick not being able to answer in route to a ground and pound finish. So, uh, yeah, give me Charles Johnson here at 9,000. I just wonder if there's enough behind the win to really pay off the salary. I, I'm expecting a finish. So um, one of the biggest favorites priced as one of the cheapest 9,000 options makes a ton of sense. I'm getting to him a, a, a ton. Um, but as far as like a complete dart throw, Jimmy Flick can take your back. He can, you know, if Charles Johnson changes levels, goes for a takedown, he can snatch up a guillotine or off his back, hunt a triangle or armbar. I'm accounting for that, but I'm picking Charles Johnson here. I think he's going to knock him out. Yeah, I agree with you in terms of that as well. Uh, Dylan, our Discord link is right in the YouTube comment section, so you can just click that free to join join our community over there at Fight HQ as uh, we already got a nice little community over there. Of course, uh, I'll be in there tomorrow uh, during the fight. So I got I got to do a two TV setup, Pete. I got to have the UFC on one TV. Got to have the NFL playoffs on the other TV. But uh, I'm going to be in that Discord channel. We talked about. Uh, you know, how these fights are going on. And of course, so we kind of come to this uh, portion of the show where we give our straight up fight picks. And um, as you were talking about Charles Johnson there, I was, I was kind of going down, highlighting my picks and I'm like, Ooh, I got a problem. Uh Oh, I don't have All the dogs fair. barking. <laughs> yeah, no, I tell you, that's what I'm saying. I think we're going to have a losing fighter, a part of it. That's why like I'm punting. I, okay. I, I, punting. I, I, I was going to ask you that question. He's like, you, you missed about Steven Kozlo back last month where you were able to take down a tournament because of him and what he was able to score. And like, if you look at these, let's just say 73 and hundred fighters, who is that Steven Kozlo this week? I think it's, it's Howney Barcelos. I, I do think it's Howney Barcelos from a, a losing perspective. Um, but it's Nick Aguirre for me, like, uh, the the issue is like Howney Barcelos, I think is going to lose. Does he score more than he did against Timor Valiev and Victor Henry? 59 and 52? Probably not. So I'd probably put him around the 35, 40 range. I think that Aguirre's ground game, if he's in shape, can, you know, and he's the bigger guy. He's he's the true featherweight, whereas Argetta's the bantamweight. I, I think that he's the, the fighter that I'm way too overexposed on, but I got to take a chance somewhere on a card like this. So, uh, it's Barcelos and Aguirre. All right, let's go through our uh, straight-up five picks here. Main event, um, I know a lot of people are going to pick Sean Strickland, but uh, give me the favorite in Imovov. Yeah, Imovov. Damon Jackson's my guy, but I got to go Dan Ige. Dan Ige. Uh, I will go Punaheli Soriano, but don't feel great about it. Soriano, extreme couture lean. Uh, I will go Kalen Vieira over Raquel Pennington. Same, Vieira. Uh, it's Umar for me, easy. 
Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think it's a tough fight, but Umar and Amar made off. Uh, this is another one, like you mentioned about it a little bit earlier, going back and forth, but uh, I'm going to go Al Hassan here. Yeah, me too. I hate it, though. I it just Imagine if you had to, like, all the money on the line, you had to choose who wins here. Like, I, I, I don't know if I could feel confident in my answer, but I'm going to say with, say, Al Hassan. Yeah. Uh, I will go Rebecca. Yeah, Rebecca. Uh, Bazarot. Yep, Bazarot. Nascimento. Nascimento. I'm going to go Argetta, but do feel a little no concerned problem. about based on some things you said. Yep, I'm going to go Aguirre. Complete dog, but I, I'm going to go with him. And then I will go Charles Johnson, and uh, I know you're Charles going Johnson. Charles Johnson too. Uh, Pete's over number, oh, excuse me, Samuel's over under number on finishes, six and a half. I'm going over six and a half. Damn, you really think so? Okay, yeah, I'm going to go over too. I think it could be like a surprisingly strong finishing card and kick off the year correct. That's uh, literally, that is my mentality. It's the first of the year card. Yeah. Um, it's been a rough couple weeks for the UFC. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm gonna say some some uh, we we see some some highlight real type finishes in, in terms of this fight card, but uh, you know I mean look it's not the sexiest of UFC fight cards. Um, you know we're not gonna hit, sit here and tell you that this is you know a card that you can't miss. I mean it, it it's not sexy, um, but uh, you know we we gotta look at every fight card as an opportunity to uh, to make some dough. Yeah, I really don't even care. I mean it's nice when they get in front of a big crowd. Um, it's an all right. It's an all right card. Um, interesting spots. Some uh, some prospects that I, I'm intrigued to watch perform. But I mean, definitely not a pay per view card. It's clearly an apex card, and we'll treat it accordingly because we've got some good ones coming up. Uh, Sam, we're working on that super chat. We gotta we gotta build this channel up to get that those super chats there. But yeah. we're gonna so uh, you know let your friends know about this is where you're gonna be able to see meet and Pete all the time right here on Fight HQ. We'll be here tomorrow for the Q and A show. So if you got any questions, whether it's about the fights, DFS, betting, whatever it may be about this fight car, we're gonna be here to touch on that tomorrow, three o'clock Eastern time, leading up to the fights there on ESPN Plus. Pete, anything you got? before we got here no i just want to again say thank you guys so much for the constant support over the years if you're finding us welcome to fight hq subscribe to the youtube channel like that video for us if you can let's try to get to let, let's call it 50 likes let, let's start with 50 likes we really appreciate it let everybody know um spread the word about our discord channel and then hopefully one day we can uh we can quit our jobs and we just can do fight hq that's the goal right we all just want to <sighs> you know for, you know, break down MMA fights. I'll, I'll coach some fighters and, and all that. And we'll be good. But, uh, again, appreciate you guys so much and, uh, can't wait to break it down tomorrow. I don't have to work tomorrow night so I can actually sit back and watch the fights. Yeah. I'm, I'm involved in a lot of business over here. Pete. I'm involved in a yeah. lot over here, but, uh, we appreciate everyone too. did here. Of course, uh, join our discord channel, you know, piece of that likes at 50. How about we go 67 for UFC Vegas 67. 
Oh, I like that. I wish I was thought. I, I wish I thought of that. Yeah, sixty-seven is a good number. So let's do it. Yeah. And uh, Spencer mentioned it was better. You guys do this on Friday because of the Fanduel lineups are also out. Yeah, no question about. It. I mean, I, let's just kind of mention Fanduel right here at the end. I know we we kind of pay a lot of attention over there. Um, I I really don't love the Ege Jackson fight over Fanduel sixteen fourteen just because of if a Dan Ege win. I just don't think it scores well over on the Fanduel side of the equation. Uh, main event, I don't mind either side, $19, particularly if it goes. But I really feel like, and I think it's kind of like on DraftKings too, this, the Soriano Coppola fight, which is 17 and 13, and the Ribeiro yeah. and Al Hassan fight, they're both uh, priced at $15. I feel like those are two critical fights over on the FanDuel when you're developing it. Um, you know, the Umar at $23, like he's got to get a finish and, and he's got to, you know, get some takedowns to really rack in terms of that price point there. Uh, Vieira Pennington don't really like that one over on FanDuel at 17 and 14 a piece. Uh, I would rather get to uh, Java Basarat at $18 as opposed yeah. to Rebecca and Nermaga Madoff just because I have the ability to save some money there where Umar's $23, Rebecca is $22, for Basarat's only $18. Um, and, and probably Charles Johnson at $21 would probably be the other uh, top option I like over there on FanDuel. Yeah, I mean, it's Basharat for me. He's going to be a staple for a lot of my lineups. And I think the volume and pace that he brings can actually outperform his salaries. Um, and he's he's priced at a little bit of a discounted rate on FanDuel. So I'm going to take advantage of that. Hopefully I'm correct on it. Um, he hasn't found a finish inside the UFC. And a lot of people might be down on his finishing equity, but not me. Uh, Samuel, uh, I'll be honest with you, man. I really haven't checked out Super Drafted in a long time, but uh, we'll yeah. check that out. We'll, we'll we'll have some stuff for you on Saturday show. But of course, we appreciate everyone tuning in here for our preview of UFC Vegas 67, and we will talk to you on Saturday for our Q and A show. <laughs>